This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. They're not made enough in my image for me to love them. Well, whose image are they made in? We're we're made in the image of Jesus, in the image of God. What, What else is there for me to do but love them? not look down on them because they're not like me. So if if you're complaining about not being connected, then make the effort. Make the effort. You go first. If you want to have friends, try this. Be friendly. Pro tip right there for you. Be friendly. Reach out. Go first. Invite people over. Go do things with them. If your heart isn't right with God, church can sometimes feel like a drudgery. An activity to check off, full of people you don't quite click with. Yet, as Pastor Cody will teach you today, the church is so much more than a gathering each Sunday in a building. It's a gathering of family, and everyone in this group of believers is made in the image of God. They're your family. Ask God to soften your heart to those hard to love. Ask God to open your eyes to the blessing of this family. Enjoy the gift God has given you in the church. Now. Turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 16 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. It's like this. If someone wants to come in and uh, try to divide and deceive one of my girls, maybe it's a boy and they're enamored with this boy, or maybe it's one of their friends. You know, they have these friends and... You know, I don't know if your kids have had these friends where you're like, you're not going to have that friend anymore. And you're like, how do I do this? And so their friend says, hey, we'd like to, uh, we'd like to have you come over to our house. Like, oh, you know what? We have a family trip planned today. And and Micah's like, what's our family trip? I don't know, but we have one now. We're going somewhere, you know, because you've got to keep your kids away from that kind of a friend or even a teacher who's just trying to shove foolish ideology down your teacher's throat. You know what you do as a dad, what I do with those kind of people? I don't say, here, devour my children. It's so great that you're around. I'd love for you to just divide and deceive my children away from me. No, I remove them with extreme prejudice right now, right away. No more access. You are done. You're not going to have access to that. Why? Not because I'm a control freak, but because I love my kids. I love my kids enough to say, this is dangerous. It's out. And I'll do whatever it takes to make sure I care for my family that way, which is one of the reasons why we homeschool. So in this, verse 17, notice it says there, there are two things to be done. It says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctor and avoid them. Two things are to be done with these kind of people. You note them, you mark them, you see them, you you say that you, you label them. This is a divider and a deceiver. We need to know what's happening. We can't just let ourselves be fooled or just go, you know what, That's, it's mean. It's mean. To, why would you call them such names? Why would you say you're a divider? Because they are. And when you're not willing to do that, you foolishly live in this utopian concept that there's not bad people. You know, who's a, you know we're, we're all bad people. Do you know that? We're all bad people. We all do bad things. We're all sinful. We're all prone to wander. We're prone toward things that are wrong. And so you've got to note those who are going to be those dividers and deceivers. And then you've got to also avoid them. Now, what that doesn't mean is just sit on the other side of the room. That's not what it means by avoid. They're over there. I'm going to sit over here. Avoid them literally means to shun them. That you cut them 
out of relationship. It's that you actually say, you are not welcome here. You need to go somewhere else. That, that's what you do here. Man, that sounds pretty brutal, doesn't it? Sounds like pretty, man, the church just needs to be more loving, more inclusive. Not with these kind of people. No, because it's, it's like bring, bringing a rabid dog to your, home to your kids. You don't let them hang around. You make them leave because a shepherd is given a staff and a rod, right? Psalm 23, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You know what the staff is used for? That long thing with the hook on it? It's used to gently guide the sheep or if the sheep, because sheep are dumb. I don't know if you knew this about sheep. When the Bible says we're like sheep, it's totally true. We are dumb. Um, and so the, we're, just, just, watch, just watch the news. We're, as a culture, we're just not smart. So sheep will fall into places and get stuck, right? And it's got that hook thing and you can like grab it and pull it back out and that kind of stuff. Now there's also the, the, the uh, rod. So it's got a staff. That's what a shepherd does. The shepherd's also got a rod. The rod comforts. It's like a short bat is what that is. The rod is comforting. Why? Because the shepherd don't use it on the sheep, right? I don't know if you've ever thought that's a weird, like, why does the rod comfort me? That that feels discomfort is what that sounds like to me. No, it's because the, the shepherd uses it on the wolves. When the wolf comes to try to take the sheep, you beat that wolf and you make it leave. That's what, that's what the, a good shepherd does. And so there's this issue that's brought up and he says, you need to mark them and you need to cut them out. Um, David Guzik says it like this. Most often, friends, those who are dividers and deceivers, they often perceive themselves to have the best of intentions. They never want to appear selfish. They look at themselves as noble crusaders for a great cause. Most people who are dividers and deceivers, they don't come in and they, they, they have a meeting with me. Hey, pastor, I would just like to divide and deceive the church as quickly as possible. Where do I start? They don't do that. They come in and they think that they just have their thing and they're just such a great person. And they're like, why, don't, why won't you do my thing? Why won't, you t- why won't you get behind my stuff? Why won't you just do the thing that I want to do? And they constantly are driving their thing. Those are typically dividers and deceivers. Sometimes it's just people that are just passionate about something and that's great. That doesn't mean everyone who's got that kind of an attitude is a divider and deceiver. But when they won't do what we are doing or they just do it in order to get with people to divide them away from the flock and divide them unto themselves, those are dividers and deceivers. Those are wolves, not shepherds. All right. A contrast to the false believers is found in verses 19 and 20. It says this, For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You see, there's a contrast to the false believers, and it's the genuine faith of the church of Rome, the Roman Christians. Their genuine faith has a powerful, eternal impact on the world. In verse 19, he says this, that your obedience has become known to all, therefore I'm glad on your behalf. But I want to warn you. So there's this warning that's given. I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. He says, basically saying this, don't adopt the tactics of the dividers and deceivers because it might work for them. Dividers and deceivers sometimes sneak in and they're able to get stuff done and they're able to steal away part of the, the flock of God. Because that works, some people go, you know what, we just need it. We need to kind of maybe do some of that stuff and that'll help us to be able to, to grow our church. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go to the church down the street. We're going to put a sign in their parking lot that says our church is over here and you should come down and meet in our church. What? 
uh, what? No, that's being a divider, right? That's being a deceiver. That is not what you do. Maybe it sounds like a good idea from a worldly perspective, but it is not honoring to the Lord. And so we don't adopt the tactics of the dividers and the deceivers. But also uh, the reason why we don't do that is because verse 20, they're actually satanic. The, The divisiveness, the deception, it's not from them. It's backed by satanic force, satanic opposition. You see, they're not innocent. They're not just going through the motions of being an an innocent person and just kind of an innocent bystander. They're just trying to be nice. And then, oh, you labeled me as a bad person. No, you're being influenced by Satan. And even Satan's not going to get away with any of his division and deception. See there, it says the God of peace will crush Satan under your, your feet. James 3, 14 through 15 says it like this. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not uh, God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual. Look, demonic, demonic. James actually says there's a kind of what is worldly so-called wisdom that's actually demonic. It's not just, you know, well, that was their, their idea. It's actually demonic kind of wisdom. That demonic wisdom is what much of our world functions under. A lot of the tactics of our world function under this kind of demonic wisdom. It's a pretty scary concept to consider. Now notice there as well in verse 20, this final thought that God is the one who crushes Satan. It's not your awesomeness. I, I was uh, part of a church when early on in my Christianity where they would quote this phrase a lot, that God's gonna crush Satan under your feet and then they would dance around and stomp on stuff and it was like you were crushing Satan. But it's not your awesomeness that crushes Satan. It's God who crushes Satan under your feet. It's not you that does this thing. And so working ourselves up into an emotional frenzy isn't gonna make this happen. It's something that God does. It's what he accomplishes on our behalf. Thirdly and finally, not only family in Christ and enemies of Christ, but also servants to Christ, verses 21 through 27. 21, verse 21 says this, Timothy, my fellow worker and Lucius, Jason, Sospiter, my countrymen greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the, uh, the whole church greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Cordus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. This is like the eighth time he's ended the letter, uh, but we're still continuing. There's still more verses. Now, here in verses 21 through 24, there are eight more names that are added to the list of 27 to get us up to 37 people. Now, these are more than just laborers. These are more than just workers. These are dear friends to Paul. Paul is a, not only a great theologian, but he's also a great friend maker. He's a great friend. He just invests his life into other people. And this is the way that God has designed ministry to work, that his laborers are to be friends. If it's just a job, then you just wake up dread. Why do I got to get up so early and go to that church and stand around and I got to put out a thing and I got to make some stuff. And, you know, if it's that, then it's just like, you know, when your alarm goes off to go to work. But when you're friends and you're doing this as a, a community of believers, you, I can't wait to show up. I can't wait to get here. I can't wait to be around my friends and to serve the Lord together. You see, it what moves the church beyond a place that you just go to. If the church is just a place that you go to, then nothing's gonna happen in your life. It's just gonna be this religious routine. But when relationship is the purpose, when relationship with God and relationship with other people, man, God will transform your life in tremendous ways. So let me ask you this question. Are your friends here? 
Why not if they're not? Why, why are they not here? It's probably either one that you're not making effort or two, your attention is somewhere else. You have friends somewhere else. So I just want to encourage you, your friends, your best friends, they should be here. They should be within the church. And we need to be given to this kind of ministry, to love and serve one another that kind of a way. So, so here's this, who are you having lunch with? Who are you inviting over to your home and, and hanging out with and playing games with or, or whatever you want to do? Who are you going on that day trip with? Hey, we're going to go and do this hike. You guys want to come with us? Or who are you going out to shoot that new gun with? Because you did buy a new gun, right? You should have. <laughs> if not, you should go get one now. Who are you going to go test fire it with? And, you know, what are you doing with people within the church? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says it like this. Two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You need friends. You need other godly people in your life in such a way that they can encourage you and hold you accountable and spur you on in the things of the Lord. Too many people complain about not being connected. I'm just not connected. I just, I just don't have many friends there. There's not enough people like me or whatever. And really what you're saying is that, you know, those people, they're just, I tried going to life group, but I just didn't really connect. What you're saying is those people aren't made enough in my image for me to love them. Duh. Does that one hurt or what? That one, man, when I heard, uh, there was another pastor in Arizona that I, I stole that from. Uh, when I heard him say that, Man, that just, that just cut me to the heart. Like, man, that is such a terrible attitude. And it's the attitude we tend to have, isn't it? They're not made enough in my image for me to love them. Well, whose image are they made in? We're, we're made in the image of Jesus, in the image of God. What, what else is there for me to do but love them, not look down on them because they're not like me? And so if, if you're complaining about not being connected, then make the effort. Make the effort. You go first. If you want to have friends, try this. Be friendly. Pro tip right there for you. Be friendly, reach out, go first, invite people over, go do things with them. Also try this, don't give off, give off the I hate people vibe. You know, if you sit there with a scowl on your face all the time and you stare straight ahead and you never look at people, people are gonna think that's a jerk. I don't wanna talk to them. You know, like don't do that. Actually go and look at people and ask them about their lives and talk to them. Now notice there in uh, verse 21, this first guy, Timothy, my fellow worker, he's shown there. He's one of Paul's most trusted friends. He's always showing up with Paul. Paul actually says of Timothy, there's nobody else who's as like-minded as you are with me. And then we also have Tertius. He didn't, he's not like, he's, he, this isn't Paul's other name. This is a scribe. Uh, he's a guy that Paul is dictating to. So I don't know if you had this really, you know, I don't know, uh, nostalgic or overly romanticized view of how Romans was written that Paul is in this dark room with a quill and it's like by candlelight and he's scratching out on this, you know, papyrus or whatever. No, he actually, he was talking and uh, this guy was writing it for him. That's how it was going. Uh, so maybe I just ruined your idea of, of Paul, but it's Jesus's fault, not mine. He wrote it. 
All right, so verse 25, it says this as we, as we bring it to a close. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. You see, this here, verses 25 through 27, is one of the longest benedictions or the closings that Paul has ever written. It's a summary of the letter of Romans, that Romans is all about this, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Remember that we started off looking at Romans and we called it the gospel according to Paul? That it's, it's, that's what it's all about. Romans is, is known as the Mount Everest of theology, and the, it's about one thing. It's about the gospel message. It's about the depths and the glory of the gospel message, all centered around the preaching of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is central to the gospel. There's no such thing as a gospel without Jesus. There's no such thing as good news apart from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the greatest news there ever could be. And so Paul, his goal is clearly laid out there in verse 25. It says, now to him who is able to establish you, that his goal in writing Romans is to establish you in the faith, that that's the point that he wants to do. And central to that is preaching Jesus. And this is the mission and hope of not only Paul, but it's the mission and hope of our church, of Redemption Calvary, that we want to be a church that grows healthy believers in Jesus. We aim for biblical literacy that produces biblical obedience. That's what we're all about here at Redemption Calvary because the supernaturally natural result is that the more established you are in the gospel, the more readily available it is to you in your daily life and to be able to share it with other people. Being established in God's word and being established in the gospel functions as it flows out of your life for the sake of God's glory and the good of others around you. That you're able to carry the gospel message with confidence. Why? Because you know it and you know it well through the establishment of God's word. Warren Wearsby says it like this in his commentary, be right. Christians are established by truth, which explains why Paul wrote this letter to explain God's plan of salvation to the Christians so they would be established and so they would share the truth with the lost. After all, we cannot really share with others something that we do not have ourselves. Notice he says there in verse 25, he says, the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. This word mystery, and then he tells us, but now, verse 26, is made manifest. The idea of a mystery is something that's hidden, and you can't find it unless someone shows it to you. It's kind of like if I was to take my Bible and I hide it behind my back, and I say, my Bible is a mystery. Right? That's the idea of the word mystery. Now, it doesn't mean that it's gone. It just means that you can't see it. And then when I do this, it's no longer a mystery, right? I've shown it to you. I've made it available to you. I've revealed it to you. I've made it manifest to you. It doesn't make it cease being a mystery. It means that it's changed to where the mystery is now manifested. The mystery is now revealed. It's not mystery like Scooby-Doo. You know, it's like they're trying to figure out who did it and they're trying to figure it out and then they put all the pieces together and they go, oh, I get it. That's not the mystery of the Bible. The mystery is God has it hidden on purpose to reveal it at the right time. You know what the mystery is? Jesus dies, is buried, and raises again, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And when he brings all the world together into this new thing called the church, his new family, that's the mystery. 
The mystery is that was always God's plan. The mystery is that even though the Old Testament's all about the Jews and the, the New Testament is written pretty much all by Jews to Jews uh, and Revelation is all about the Jews, that God is also interested in the whole world. And he makes this new thing called the church. That's the great mystery. You see, God's, God is, as we close here, everlasting. See that in verse 26? And then look at the end of verse 27. The glory is forever. The truth is that you being made in God's image are eternal, just like God is. It's part of being made in God's image is that you bear eternity on your heart, on your soul, and you're going to live forever. And internally, you just know it's true. That's why every time somebody dies, it feels wrong. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how well, how well of a life they lived. I don't care how amazing their life was. It always feels wrong. Why? Because you weren't made to just expire. You were made for eternity. And you will live for eternity. The question is, where will you be? And Jesus says there's only two options. Matthew 13, 41 through 43, Jesus says this, the son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus very clearly says there are only two options. There are only two options. It's heaven or it's hell. It's paradise and eternity with God or it's eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the only, the only two choices. How do you know which one you're destined for? How do you know where you are going? How do you know where you will end up? Well, the answer to this question, it's intimately tied in, in the idea of relationship. Relationship is the whole key. Matthew 20, uh, 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says this, not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But listen to Jesus' reply. But I will reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. Relationship. And he says, get away from me, you who break God's laws. Relationship is the key. Knowing Jesus, being known by him, that relationship is everything. And when you, when you surrender your life to the gospel message, that Jesus' death was for me, not just this general thing, not just this religious concept, but that Jesus, his blood paid for my sin, you, and you ask him for forgiveness, you enter into this relationship where it's all restored. And he brings everything back together. According to Jesus, your relationship with him or your lack of it is the dividing line between good and evil. It's the dividing line between heaven and hell. Not your religious activity, not your humanitarian work, not your supernatural experiences. None of those can make up for lack of relationship. It's all about relationship with Jesus. So you're in one of three groups. Either you're in a group where you need to come to Jesus. You need to actually surrender your life to Jesus and say, you know what, I've never done this. I've, maybe I've heard this. Maybe my parents took me to church and I've heard about this stuff before, but I've never actually surrendered my life to Jesus and I've recognized his death was for me. And if that's you, then right now is the right time. You can even from the quietness of your seat right now, just surrender to Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sin and he will. Or maybe you've done that before and you need to come back to Jesus. This is a come to Jesus moment, right? Come back to Jesus. 
That, that it's time I've walked away for too long. I've been about my thing for too long. I've just, I've pursued my life, my way. I've done my stuff. And now, you know what? It's, time, it's over. It's, it's time for me to stop living like that. Jesus, I, I need you to be back in control. Maybe, that, maybe that's not you. Maybe neither, neither of those are you. Maybe for you, it's time to get busy for Jesus. What has he made you for? Why do you still draw breath? It's not just to exist. He has something for you to do. Something that he wants to use you for. It's time to get busy for him. So let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity to study it. We pray that you would help us to draw near to you and that you would be glorified. God, thank you that we can honor you. Thank you that we can know you. Thank you for a relationship with you. And we pray that you would show us where we can draw near to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you encounter a huge chasm or large canyon, it's hard to imagine that you could be connected to the other side due to the space and distance between where you are and where the other edge of the canyon is. But it's reassuring to know and to hear in Romans that nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've been listening to Redemption Radio today with Pastor Cody. As he's been teaching through the book of Romans, you get some insight into God's heart for you. There's no limit or no point where his love will come to an end when it comes to God's love and devotion to you. Do you find that hard to believe today? Read Romans 8 to remind you that God's love for you is endless. It's not like a human love that can fail or disappoint you. God's love is above that, and he cares for you better than anyone. Have you experienced that kind of love by God? We sure hope so. One of the most important ways to experience the love of God is through his family, the church. If you're not connected with the church, we invite you to join us this Sunday at Redemption Calvary. Head over to our website to get more information on directions, times, and even to subscribe to our podcast. Go to redemptioncalvary.org. We hope you'll continue learning and growing through this book of Romans. Pastor Cody will be back again next time to continue where he left off. So make sure to tune in again here on Redemption Radio.